what is happening everybody welcome to another episode of the grab life by the controller podcast this week's episode well i hope you can tell what it's about because i just gave it away so let's just get into it let us grab life by the controller ladies and gentlemen i hope you guys had a wonderful thanksgiving and if you're not in the united states and you're listening I hope you guys had a very enjoyable Thursday and weekend. (laughs) Uh, Last month, we did games, consoles, you know, gaming stuff that we are thankful for. And we're kind of keeping that rolling as we go into December. It's not necessarily a thankful, it's not necessarily a history lesson or anything. It's a personal story. So, let's just get into it. The Sony PlayStation dropped September 9th of 1995. That was when you had your first disc-based mainstream console. It was an amazing little console. Not only was it for gamers, it was also for music aficionados. You could play a CD through your TV. That was a big deal for me because I had a gnarly sound system in my bedroom. My parents had kind of uh, simplified our front room. It no longer had a TV in it. It had a five disc changer for an audio system and speakers and my parents like to listen to you know things from the carpenters to the doors to the juds led zeppelin the beatles all of that stuff but they didn't listen to it very often every now and again it'd be a saturday morning and would all be cleaning and my mom would blaze someone on a jud was a weird 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 time in my life but because they consolidated everything, I got the huge, like, big stacks of speakers and stuff in my bedroom. I had a little 19-inch color TV, and I had my trusty VHS player, and all of a sudden, I had a console in my room. My original PlayStation that I had didn't last long. I don't remember what happened with it. I can't remember if it stopped reading discs. I can't remember if it overheated. What the story was with it. Uh, As I've talked about before, like three years ago, I had non-epileptic seizures. And kind of rewired my brain so there are details that fade in and out which is really weird like it's something I wouldn't wish on anybody but I do remember that in 2000 for Christmas I ended up getting a PS1 Now, this PS1 was an incredible piece of hardware because I already had games for it. 
I had NHL Faceoff 98, one of my favorite hockey games of all time that I had for the original PlayStation. Now, when that thing broke and when it died, my family knew. Well, for any any of those listening with children around, uh, my family knew to sell to tell Santa Claus that I needed a replacement. The PS1 was so sleek, so beautiful, so slim. It was tiny. It was almost the size of my Sony Discman. That's that's a huge feat in itself. It was roughly about half the size of the original console. This thing, you started up and the intro when the Sony PlayStation logo flashes across the screen is etched into my mind for all eternity. It's it's just a simple, you know, just notes. I, I don't know how to put it otherwise. But it was on everything before you started up the disc because, you know, it's the boot screen. It, it wasn't cartridge-based, so you didn't get into it automatically. It started up like a computer. So, I mean, essentially... It was like seeing the Windows 95 logo flash across your television. The thing that was groundbreaking about this... You could fit practically anything you wanted on a PlayStation disc. Until they found out, you know, in games like the Final Fantasy games, that they were doing so much. Everything took up so much data. Um, they needed to have multiple discs. That's something you couldn't do in a cartridge-based system. And that was where Nintendo went wrong with the N64, in my opinion. I do have love for some N64 games. They, they had games that you could find on the PlayStation, but the thing about them is they were super compressed. They didn't have all the extras, all the things that made the PlayStation games great. For music, everything was toned down and simplified. Uh, songs were placed on a loop to conserve space. Where PlayStation was like, hey, we can do this. We can actually put full-scale audio tracks on our discs. We can have gnarly soundtracks in games like Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I'll never forget the day me and my friends, we skateboarded. Uh, my friend Alex was really good. Is still really good. And we got Tony Hawk Pro Skater. We were super pumped about being able to be Tony Hawk and the bevy of other characters. Alyssa Steamer, uh, Chad Muska. I mean, 
Tony Hawk Pro Skater is an all-time favorite game franchise for me. So we were expecting just simple skateboarding. You know, a legacy of kickflips, flips, you know, indies, rock and rolls, uh, vert ramps, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, we're blown away by, by Zebrahead, by Goldfinger. I mean, if you don't know Goldfinger Superman because of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, A, you were a punk grown up. And so you knew no effects, Pennywise, Rancid, Bad Religion, Goldfinger. Or B, you've never played the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater. In my opinion, there is no song that goes better with skateboarding and video games than Superman. There's just this happy pop-punk energy that comes with it really put you in the mood to not only play the game but every time we had a sleepover would wake up would play 15-20 minutes a Tony Hawk and then would be out for the day we'd go skateboarding we would go around town we'd you know grind board slide tail slide all that stuff and then we'd come home have some food Maybe play a little bit more Tony Hawk. And then guess what? We were right back out there until it was too dark to see anything. And then even at that, sometimes the places that we skated had exterior lights, so it didn't stop us. That's the magic of the PlayStation. With the original Nintendo, we would play Duck Hunt before we went shooting. Whether we were going out hunting. Yeah, that's how we say it here. Hunting not hunting, is hunting, or whether we were actually shooting clay pigeons. We would honestly pop in the game just to get our hand-eye coordination, you know, a little bit of a head start. So we didn't want to miss. That was something that was special about the Nintendo that we did in our family. It, it was something, you know, some kind of preparation. And... That's one of the reasons why the Nintendo has such fond memories, because my family would use the light gun. Uh, would, you know, play gotcha together. Would play Duck Hunt, Hogan's Alley. Uh, we didn't own it, but would rent it and just play the crap out of it. And the PlayStation was that way for me, too. I was never keen on hockey games. Hockey is my sport. Hockey is what I've played since the sixth grade. I went on and played it on my high school team. I, I was actually captain of my high school hockey team. We rotated and we shared because I kind of grew up in an era where everybody was wanting trophies and a congratulations and stuff like that. But essentially, me and my friend Alex, we got the team going. Our high school didn't originally have a team. We are the ones that got it going. Set out petitions. His mom was the uh, um, 
the secretary for, you know, the, the area. And we got it going. And before games, I would play NHL 98. NHL 98 was a game that my little brother and myself played any chance we could. And we absolutely loved it because we had mastered the art of winning a face-off right in front of the opposing team's goal and then doing a one-timer so we would score every freaking time. It was fantastic. It made us think that we were these these hockey legends, you know, portrayed on screen. And that would pump us up. That would pump me up. And then I would go in visualizing in my games that I was in this video game. I was doing the plays, I was doing everything that was set in motion on the PlayStation. And I know that sounds really weird. I mean, I've always had a super active imagination. I'm a very visual person. I can visualize something happening before it happens. It helps sets the mood for me. It helps pump me up. Gives me an idea of the outcome that's going to happen. Be it good or bad. But, oh man. The PlayStation is seriously something special to me. Because at the time, there were no sexier polygons than the sexy polygons you could find in Sony games. I'm lucky enough that I didn't lose all of my PlayStation games growing up. I've, I've talked before about how I came from a family that when you graduated into a new console, you got rid of the old one. Lucky for me, when I graduated to the PlayStation 2, I was still enticed to keep my discs because the PlayStation 2 was backwards compatible. Not only was it backwards compatible, but you could also go into the system settings and you could upscale your original PlayStation games. At the time, it blew my mind to see them a little bit more rounded, a little bit more polished. They weren't as pointy of polygons as originally, you know, played on the PlayStation. The colors were just slightly better. I don't know if it really was as, as good and as mind-boggling as it was. I mean, if I went back now and looked at it, I don't think it would blow my mind. But where these were games that I played inside and out. I played hours and hours and hours, you know, throughout the year. And then to see them, you know, I, I could see the slight change. That was cool. 
so when I moved away from my parents' house, apparently I didn't take all of my PlayStation games. And the funny thing is, 20 years later, pretty much, from when I started collecting my games, I got them back. My folks came up to see us and bring some of my stuff. And so, once again, now I have Army Men, Sarge's Heroes, Battle Arena Tishinden, Darkstalkers 3, ECW Hardcore Revolution, Gran Turismo, Jeremy McGrath Supercross 2000, Lemmings, Marvel Superheroes, NHL Faceoff 98, Red Asphalt, actually that one's a new one, my all-time favorite original PlayStation game, SmackDown 2, Know Your Role. Spec Ops, Stealth Patrol, and then a couple of my demo discs. Uh, the PS1 official demo disc, the official PlayStation Magazine, January 2002, and the official PlayStation Magazine, May of 2001. Now, you may be wondering, why in the crap did he just list off these games? Well, my friend, it's because we're going to talk a little bit about them. So we will take a short little break, and then we'll be right back. So I mentioned a little bit in previous episodes about my experience with the PlayStation. And I also mentioned, but I'm going to kind of reiterate. I absolutely loved skateboarding in high school. It started out in junior high. We used to go all over the county. Uh, we even went up into Salt Lake. And skated up there. We had friends with cars. And eventually, you know, I got my own car. Well, Christmas of 2000, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 came out. My mom knew <clears throat> how much I loved the original. But... What she didn't pay attention to were the fact that Monday nights, I was at my friend Cody's house with, you know, my skater friends, Alex and Austin, and we were watching Monday Night Raw, or we were watching WCW's Monday Nitro. I was a huge pro wrestling fan. I mean, hence the reason why I have ECW Hardcore Revolution, uh, SmackDown 2, Know Your Role. I also had a bunch of other wrestling games that I have no idea what happened to them. Maybe I traded them into GameStop. Maybe they ended up getting thrown away, got broke, 
whatever. But my mom knew that I absolutely loved skateboarding. My mom knew that I was a fan of wrestling. I don't think my mom paid attention to the fact that they had wrestling video games. My mom has been a great supporter of video games in my life. And I can't thank her enough for doing that for me. But Christmas, you know, Santa Claus had my presents wrapped out. It's 2000. At that time, I was... Holy crap, I was 18. 18 and still playing video games. 18 and more worried about video games for, you know, relaxing, winding down, all that stuff. And my folks were still supporting it. That's pretty freaking neat. I'm not going to lie. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Thank you, Santa Claus. Thank you for keeping this passion burning. So, I run into the family room. And I think at this point, my sister was out of the house. So I think it was just my younger brother and myself. And I'm tearing through packages, you know, getting clothes for school, you know, socks, all that stuff, because that's a staple. But I finally get to the stuff that I've been waiting all December for. And I tear open the paper, and it's Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. I was slightly disappointed. And I don't want to sound like an ungrateful child, but it's not what I wanted. It wasn't really what I had asked for. I don't think they knew about SmackDown 2. Even though I watched Saturday morning wrestling, you know, I, w I went to my friend's house, but I'd always leave on my skateboard. My mom saw how much I loved my Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And so naturally, you'd think, you know, let's progress to the sequel. I didn't want the sequel. Sequel, because of the fact that I was pretty certain that it was going to be more of the same. I didn't know what you could improve upon the original Tony Hawk. I mean, we had the perfect balance sheet. You don't need anything else. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I thanked her. I gave her a hug. But I asked, is there any way we can go and exchange this? And I can honestly say, I don't think that my parents thought that I was being ungrateful. We ended up driving to our mall, and we went to Sears, where we returned it. <clears throat> Had a lovely conversation on the way over. That much I remember. And my mom really did put thought and effort into Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. And she was fascinated 
by the SmackDown game. This was when The Rock was kind of becoming a mainstay in wrestling. This was, you know, the era with Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, The Undertaker, uh, The Brood. I mean, Undertaker and Kane, McFoley, the Dudley Boys. I remember starting the game and my mom sitting on the futon behind me and her thinking or not thinking but her saying wow there's a lot to this game this game was so well done that it really felt like you were watching a pay-per-view event one of my favorite things about SmackDown 2 was creating your own character. We used to have highly inappropriate names for our characters. And then would have the, the toned down version. So my character's name was Donimo. Which sounds dumb now, but it was a cross between Donnie and Animal. Any of you guys who are, you know, wrestling fans know that Animal was a tag team champion. My thing with wrestling was always tag team. I loved not only mastering the art of wrestling itself one-on-one, -on -one, but also the inclusion of tag team moves like the 3D. My buddy was Austin Credible, which was a take uh, on Just Incredible. And then our other friend that came over and played, uh, I, I can't even say what his name was. It was so highly inappropriate. And then our other friend that would come over and play, his name was Mike, so his name was Mike Rofone. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a glimpse into my high school mind. This was how simplified everything was. Nothing had to be, like, intense or, you know, trying to strike fear in your heart. It was all about having a good time, all about having fun, all about hanging out with your friends. And the four of us would just take turns and take turns, and they created their own characters. I created my own characters. And we played this game, and we got sucked into it. How many video games do you know that can suck in, you know, a whole group of high schoolers? Especially sports games. Because, yes, I'm, I'm classifying this as a sports game because of the athleticism. Yes, wrestling itself is one of the best uh, dramatic masterpieces. You know, it's got storylines, it's got heroes, it's got villains. It, it's the world's greatest soap opera, and it just keeps going and going and going as the world turns. But to be able to do that in a way that would suck in a teenage audience is just fantastic. 
one of the things that I really enjoyed about SmackDown 2 is the fact that my friends looked forward to playing it. I didn't have cable. I couldn't, you know, just have my friends come over and watch Monday Nitro or Monday Night Raw or whatever and whatnot. But I could have my friends come over and play some SmackDown 2 and enjoy the wrestling aspect of video games. It was great. It had cinematics. It had, you know, the actual opening entrances. You know, player entrances complete with pyrotechnics and the entrance music. I mean, it, it was phenomenal. It was something that you wouldn't get on a cartridge. And for that, I'll never forget the time that I had playing this game. I actually think I need to fire it up and do a stream on it one of these days. It's not quite retro. We've still got a year to go. But it is seriously just that fun. It has so many good memories for me. And that's why I'm so psyched to have the disc again. Um, I'm honestly happy that my mom was cool enough to take me to exchange my Tony Hawk Pro Skater and get this game. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. If you guys haven't checked out this game and you guys like wrestling... By all means, check it out. It's way better than the first one. The first one I played, I really didn't care for. I have nothing against it, but it just wasn't one of those grab me by the face and say, PLAY ME! It was just one of those games that's like, hey, I'm here. If you get bored, come visit. But this one, this one laid the smack down on you right away and one of the things that I didn't mention that needs to be mentioned in Tony Hawk Pro Skater and in this it has video clips I mean same with NHL Face Off like it has clips of you know amazing goals hip checks you know great goalie saves Tony Hawk Pro Skater there's like video bios of the skaters where you can watch them perform their tricks. This this game has fantastic highlights of stuff that, you know, the players have done up until now in the WWF. Because yes, this was back when it was the World Wrestling Federation instead of, you know, the WWE. But that's enough of SmackDown 2. We're going to get in to two more games, then we're going to call it good. So, hope you're enjoying it so far. Stay with us, and we will be right back. We are jumping around all over. 
we started out talking about, well, game-wise, a game that I got in 2000. And now we are talking about a game that originally hit the arcades in 1997. It hit the PlayStation in 1998. And it is honestly one of my favorite freaking fighting games of all time. My favorite franchises. Can you guess? I'm going to give you just a little bit of time. We've already discussed Street Fighter 2, and we've discussed Mortal Kombat. We've discussed this one a little bit, but it hasn't really had a chance to shine. Starkstalkers 3. Now, the thing about Darkstalkers 3 that blew me away was the fact that, like, Battle Arena to Shinden and... Street Fighter Alpha Plus CX, or whatever it's called, officially, had sexy polygons. Darkstalkers 3 kept the hand-drawn animation feel. It was so much fun to see what you'd see in the arcade. They didn't try to 3D it, they didn't try to... Um, up the ante, you know, graphics-wise. They wanted to keep the feel. And it really did translate well. As 3D as games were trying to get, graphic-wise, like on Tony Hawk, on SmackDown 2, you have a game that is this perfect 2D iteration and you can't go wrong with it. One of the things that I love about Darks, yeah, Darkstalkers 3 is the colors. It looks just like you'd see in a very well done Saturday morning cartoon or a really good comic book. I didn't catch any instance during any of the gameplay where anything was like cheap, pixelated, you know, kind of just roughly thrown together. Everything looked and felt so good. Now, I've never played Darkstalkers 2, but I had Darkstalkers the Night Warriors. And I absolutely loved it. And the arcade that was in the gas station across the street from me growing up. I played the crap out of Darkstalkers. You know? I absolutely loved Morgan. Not just because she had, you know, these gigantic bouncing breasts. Because, I'm sorry, what, what kid isn't going to notice a sexy female? They also had Jada, Lilith, QB, and BB Hood. BB Hood was an incredible character. 
I loved her. She was so cheap. And I, I just don't know what to say about her. Little Red Riding Hood with an Uzi and, you know, these bombs that she kicked out. She was, she was a character. And then you had, you know, her special where the, uh, the, the hunter from, you know, the little red writing his story, you know, comes and gives you backup with a bunch of weaponry. It's fantastic. It's so much fun. The controls were much like street fighter. Uh, then controls were, you know, half circle forward and punch and, you know, half circle forward and kick and, you know, a Z with your, your analog stick or your, your D-pad, whatever. It was just fun. It was something that you could have people come over and hang out. And have an enjoyable time with because they were already set up to know the move list. It was something that was familiar. And familiarity is a good thing in a game like this. Because you can just pick it up and get into it. You don't have to study a manual. You don't have to, I mean, like the back back forward high punch, you know, or back back high punch. Or, you know, down, back, and hit two, two kick buttons to slide, or whatever it is. It was just something that you were used to. So the characters that made a return in Darkstalkers 3 was Anacharis, Bishamon, Dimitri, Donovan, Felicia, Heisenko, Huitzel, uh, J. Talbane, Lord Raptor, Morgan, Pyron... Riku, Sasquatch, Victor, also included, like I said, BB Hood, Jada, Final Boss, Lilith, and QB. They also had secret fighters. They had Shadow, Aboro, Bishamon, and Dark Talbane. And everything from the character select screen to The, the levels themselves look like something you'd see in a very well done anime. These characters are so good. These characters have left, left a lasting impression on us. So they have been pulled directly into newer games. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, uh, even Street Fighter 5. Uh, you don't see the characters themselves, but like the Halloween costumes for Chun-Li uh, was Lilith and Morgan. These are extremely recognizable characters. And, and for me to have the disc still is something that I freaking appreciate the hell out of. These games hold up today. The, the loading screen and loading times, 
may not be something that we're used to at all anymore. Because you go back and it really does take quite a while for it to load the information from the disk. But it is definitely worth finding, playing, and enjoying. Capcom knows how to do games right. Uh, from the Mega Man series to my DuckTales, yes, Mithril, I'm saying DuckTales again. And I'm talking about DuckTales right now in a PlayStation episode. <laughs> but Capcom does games like that right. They, they know when they should be kept hand-drawn and they know how to, you know, progress with the times. It, it might not be a beautiful product, like I said with Street Fighter, Alpha EX3, or whatever it is, but Capcom does incredible work. And they have always been able to kind of progress, adapt, and just go with the times. So we'll take a short break, and then we will come back with the last game I'm going to talk about. Alright, so I forgot to pull out my Street Fighter disc from my PlayStation when I started talking this. And that's why I can never remember the name. But it's Street Fighter EX Plus A. I mean, it's Capcom. It's a good game. It's a fun game. It's not my favorite Street Fighter game. So thank God we're not going to talk about it right now. <laughs> right now, I'm going to talk about Marvel superheroes. I don't know how many of you guys know this. I have a Captain America shield tattooed on my calf. I'm a huge Marvel fan. My story starts out in fourth grade, I want to say. Uh, my friend had X-Men comics. Uh, Deadpool. Uh, he had Spider-Man. He had all these great reads. I got to read Captain America because he wasn't one of my friend's favorites. I didn't get to read the X-Men. I didn't get to read Fantastic Four, Daredevil, any stuff like that. I always read Captain America because his parents would buy him comics just in bulk. This this was my friend Dustin. This was the one that I would go over to his house and if it was a single player game, I'd get to watch. But he didn't care for Captain America. So those were the comics that he's like, here, you can read this. I freaking loved Captain America right away. A, he's a patriot. B, he just wants justice for, you know, wrongdoings. He's not out there seeking vengeance or, you know, has this dark heart or anything like that. He really just wants to protect freedom. Plus, he goes up against Nazis. Like, in the very first episode, 
episode, on the, on the cover of the very first issue, he's punching Hitler in the face. I'm sorry, that's freaking awesome. So I've got a Captain America tattoo on my calf. In my game room, I have a Captain America sign. I've got numerous pops, action figures. I mean, I, I've got an action figure set containing Morrigan from Darkstalkers and Captain America that I got back when Marvel vs. Capcom came out. They had these toys in a two-pack at KB Toys. I loved it. I had to get it. I, I have Cap in his shield, and I have Morgan, and she still has her wings, but I don't have her soul fist. Her little transparent orange flame bat, which I wish I had. But I also have a Captain America shield hanging on my wall. That's how big of a Captain America fan I am. So any time I get to enjoy him in a video game, it's a must. Like, I, I have no choice. I'm honestly compelled by his character to do so. Marvel Superheroes is an incredible fighting game. Once again, done by Capcom. Are, are, are you seeing a pattern here? Uh, I, I love cartoons. I love hand-drawn animation. I love hand-drawn sprites. It, it just gives it this rich, in-depth, cartoony, Saturday morning kind of feel. Now, this game was released in 97 on the original PlayStation. It was one of the first PlayStation games I ever had. For those of you who don't know, you're going against Thanos in this game. And you're trying to get the Infinity Gems. That's right, gems. Not freaking stones. That's stupid. I don't know why they strayed. But they are gems. The power, time, space, reality, soul, and mind gems. Now these gems can be uh, obtained from beating your opponent senseless in the arcade mode. And you can unlock them to release these special attacks. Now, some of the characters in this game, Blackheart, Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man, uh, it's got Juggernaut, Magneto, Shumagarath, Spider-Man, Wolverine, I mean, all of the people that you'd expect to see in a Marvel game at the time. Uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with Blackheart. Uh, a lot of people know Magneto and Cyclops, or Psylocke from uh, X-Men. Shumagarath, I can't tell you crap about Shumagarath. Uh, like, I, I know for whatever reason they, they decided to use a Doctor Strange villain, uh, but they didn't use Doctor Strange. 
So the game is loosely based on the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Thanos, you know, obviously wants the gems so he can take over the universe. And you are a plethora of heroes, anti-heroes, some villains, you know, whatever, however you want to call them, to oppose him. I've only ever beat the game with Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Captain America. Oh, and Iron Man. So, I don't know, you know, if you beat it with Juggernaut, or Doctor Doom, or Magneto, like, what the ending is, but the game is definitely a must-play. The game was so good that, like I said, it came out on... Uh, arcades came out on the Saturn. It came back, uh, or came out on the PlayStation. And I think Xbox Live and uh, PlayStation actually had digital copies that you could buy and download on the 360 and the PS3. The game's fun. Game's not overly hard. Uh, Capcom fighting games aren't overly hard because they want to suck you in. From the very beginning, they want to give you an experience. And you always do. In Capcom games, you always get memorable characters. You get characters that you're familiar with, that you can kind of grow and progress with. That's why you dig them. Uh, say you picked this game up in 97, and then all of a sudden you're playing... Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 on the PS3. If you're Spider-Man, you basically know Spider-Man's attacks. He, he does the same thing. Web sling, web ball. Uh, you know, the same kind of specials. And it's just something that you can have a good time playing. There's a familiarity with it that just hits you right in the gaming feels. And you go back and, and you just play it and it takes you back to an earlier day a simpler time a time when you can appreciate learning mastering and just using your character to obliterate people that's why I love Marvel superheroes I'm a huge fighting game person. I'm not always the best at it. One of my favorite games that I want to get, but it's pretty pricey from what I've seen, is X-Men Children of the Atom. That game is a game that I played in the arcades. It was a game that I mastered Storm's Typhoon and just trapped people in the corner spammed the crap out of it until I got enough to do a special and then just boom shakalaka they were done one of the things that I enjoy is I'm pretty certain through this era of gaming they always had the same voice actors and that added to the experience for me 
having, you know, cartoon quality sound. Not just from the sound effects themselves in the game. And trust me, this was where video gaming got real. This is when it wasn't just a game with created sounds. These are games that had dialogue. I mean, anything from Resident Evil to Dino Crisis to Lemmings, Army Men, one of my favorite time wasters, Reloaded. You had people talking. It might have been horrible, cheesy dialogue at points. But at least it wasn't digitized and kind of muffled. You know, it didn't sound like that. It was it was something fun. It was a new addition. It, it was something brought about by discs. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I think during the month of December, we are going to do a different variety of memories. I've got a couple ideas, and I've got a couple of people who I want to bring on the show to kind of expand on everything. So, if you want to get involved in the conversation, find us on Instagram, Grab Life by the Controller. Find us on Twitter at GLTBC. Because, like I've said before, that's a mouthful, and Twitter won't let me use that many characters, so it's just abbreviated. Or, find me on Twitch. Come pop into a stream, see if you like it. Uh, let me know what you want to watch me stream. Like I said, I think I'm going to have to break out. Smackdown and, and play that because it is just glorious. I, I know I've probably got it painted better in my head than, than what it looks like all aged and stuff, but we're not always in streams for the games themselves. We're in it for the sense of community. We're in it for the conversation. So come join us. We talk about all things gaming and we just appreciate each other's company. Like I've said a million times, Twitch to me is the modern day equivalent to hanging out with your friend and watching him play video games. Or if you want to play as well, I am always down to play games with my followers. If I've got it and you guys are available, I'm not snooty yet. When I get big, it may change. But come enjoy the time when I'm still the little guy and, and we can just kick it together and grow together as a community. But that is all the time that we have now. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show, this week's episode. And I hope to see you next time on Grab Life by the Controller.